0: God is with us, He's on our side in the name of Jesus Christ. Let me see where we're going to turn to 1st I've got a lot of things going around in my spirit, is that alright? But we're going to turn to some things and see some things. Turn to Luke chapter 1 and we're going to start off right there and talk about some things. You know, one thing that, that people need to understand in our day, in our era, our time that we live in, they need to understand who Kenneth Irwin Hagen was. Kenneth Irwin Hagen was a man, and certainly we don't lift the man up above the Word of God. We don't lift the man up above the Holy Ghost. We don't lift the man up above Jesus Christ, our God the Father. We don't worship a man. We don't worship an organization. We don't follow a man. We don't follow an organization. We follow Jesus, and certainly we would follow somebody as long as they're following Christ, you understand. Paul said, follow me as I follow the Lord. But in this day that we live in, we must understand the, the season and time that we're in. Kenneth Irwin Hagen, and his middle name was Irwin because he was named after Dr. Irwin that delivered him. But his ministry had a specific purpose in this earth. When we understand the ministry of Kenneth E. Hagen and what he was called to do, then we can understand where we're at on the time clock of God, and then we can understand some of the things that are happening right now in the United States of America, and ultimately that will happen around the world. But Jesus is coming soon. The stage is being set for Jesus Christ to come back to this earth, and we must understand that and be aware of that. But there was a specific mission that Kenneth Irwin Hagen had, Now, because of some people's misunderstanding about this, uh, they have kind of laid things to the side, but the Lord just told me to go back and pick it up. You know what I mean? (laughs) And just start preaching it, start teaching it, you know, regardless of what people thought, because there are people that don't agree with what I'm saying, and, and that's fine. You know, I'm human, and I can miss it, but I believe that what I'm speaking this morning is of the Lord and from the Lord for us today. But Kenneth Irwin Hagen, before he was born, he was born August the 20th, 1917 in McKinney, Texas area there. And uh, his mama had not had proper nutrition before he was born. And she had married, uh, her parents thought, the wrong man. She had married into a wealthy family and married, uh, I think it was an only son, and what their concern was is because this son had never been taught to, to stand for himself and his parents always bailed him out. And I'm not belittling Kenneth Hagin's dad, now don't get me wrong, or our Miss Lily's husband because her name was Lily Hagin after she married Mr. Hagin. But I'm not belittling any of them or putting them down. I'm just telling you what has been told over the years from Kenneth E. Hagen himself. But uh, her parents... Uh, uh, Mr. and Miss Drake, who was Kenneth Hagin's uh, uh, grandmother and granddaddy, uh, encourage, tried to encourage their daughter not to marry this specific man. Do you know it makes a difference who you marry? Sure does. Thank you for your enthusiasm. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, it does make a difference. And anyway, this uh, gentleman that she married, and I'm sure he had good intentions, come from a wealthy family. When it come time to stand on his own, and go through the storms of life. He's on his own. He wasn't equipped to do so. And so, when times got tough, he ran out on the family and left them with no money, no food, or anything. And and so, because of that, her husband was gone. She's pregnant with Kenneth Irwin Hagen. He had not been born yet. This is in just a week or so before Kenneth Irwin Hagen was born, August the twentieth, nineteen seventeen. Uh, she had decided that it had because she hadn't had proper diet, that she would go home to her parents, uh, Mr. and Miss Drake, and just uh, say, well, you was right, I was wrong. She could have went home at any time, and her parents would have gratefully and uh, wanted to help her, but because of her pride, because she made her own decision, and her mom and daddy had told her, you know, if, if you make your bed hard, like Granny used to talk about, you're going to have to lie in it, you know. And so to make a long story short, she married the guy, and, and just swallowed her pride and eventually because she didn't want to go home and, and uh, submit, submit, admit to her mom and daddy that she'd done the wrong thing. But because of the baby's sake that was in her womb, Kenneth Irwin Hagen, and her not having the proper diet, she was in fear for his life. She was headed down the road, down a dirt street there in the city of McKinney, Texas. It's only two blocks away where her mom and dad lived. That was a dirt black street in that day. You've got to remember that it have all the automobiles running up and down the streets. You knew that back in 1917, didn't you? Oh, you knew that, right? Is anybody that was there back in 1917? Just a little bit later. Just a little bit later there were some that was here. But anyway, there wasn't a whole lot of cars running down the street and they wasn't paved like we have them out here. Anyway, she was walking down the streets to her, to her mama's house because uh, she could get some proper nutrition. And she, when she got in front of Aunt Mary's house, this is Miss Lily Hagen, who is Kenneth Irwin Hagen's mama. And remember, this is a, just a week or so before August the 20th, 1917, before Kenneth Irwin Hagen was born. When she got down to where Aunt Mary's house was at, you knew where Aunt Mary's house was at on the dirt street, didn't you? Well, we, we're telling you, it was down there on the road. When she got there, she heard something like wind blowing through the trees. So she turned and looked, and there's no tree in front of Aunt Mary's house. You knew that, didn't you? There's no tree there. So she was startled, wondering what's going on. So she walked on a few more steps and heard this again. And looked around, and then she thought, well, this time of year in August, uh, there in Texas, you know, it could come up a storm just right away, you know. So she looked into the sky to see if there was any clouds or, you know, any black clouds or ominous clouds there, and she couldn't see anything. And so she walked on and heard this sound again. She looked in the sky again, and she saw a cloud in the sky. But all of a sudden, this cloud began to move toward her and come down out of the sky. It was a little small cloud. And this cloud come down and stood about the top of her head. The cloud was there about the top of her head. And she looked on the cloud, and guess who was standing there? Jesus Christ. And he said to Miss Lily Hagen, said to her, Fear not, the child shall be born, and thou shalt call his name John. For just as John the Baptist was a forerunner of my first coming to this earth, his life and ministry will be a forerunner to my second coming to this earth. Well, after Jesus spoke that to her, it startled her, shocked her, and frightened her to such an extent that she took off running. She forgot her improper nutrition. nutrition. She forgot that she didn't have a whole lot of strength, and she ran about a block to her mama's house who was Miss Drake, and she ran through the door and went inside, and her mama took one look at her and said, uh, Well, Lily, my Lord, what's wrong with you? You look like you've seen a ghost. And she said, Mama? And she began to tell Miss Drake everything that had happened and how Jesus appeared to her in the cloud and told her what the name of her baby. And Miss Drake, who was Kenneth Irwin Hagen's grandmama, said to her, My goodness, Lily, don't say that to nobody they'll think you are nut and lock you up. You know, the nowadays, I mean, back in those days, they used to lock up crazy folks. Now you've got to watch. <laughs> Better check some of these in here this morning. But anyway, they used to lock up crazy folks, but now they wander freely, you know. But they used to lock them up, and you didn't go out and tell them stuff like that. And so she said, don't tell nobody. So Miss Drake, who's Kenneth Irwin Hagen's grandmama, and Miss Lily Hagen, who's Kenneth Irwin Hagen's mama, kept it a secret unto themselves. They didn't say a word to anybody, they never rehearsed it, they never repeated it to anybody, so nobody knew about it. And so Kenneth Irwin Hagen was born, August 20th of 1917. When he was born, the doctor delivered him. The doctor Irwin came and made house calls during that day. So uh, the, Kenneth Hagen was born, and when he was born, the doctor pronounced the baby dead. He was born premature. He wasn't properly formed or anything. And I'm not going through the whole story, but uh, he he wasn't properly formed. So Kenneth, Doctor Irwin took Kenneth Hagen and laid him there on the bed beside the mama because his mama, Miss Lily Hagen, almost died giving birth to him there at the at the house so he lay there on the bed lifeless for about 40 to 45 minutes according to Miss Drake who was there the grandmama she told the story to Kenneth Hagen later on and he found this out And so he continued to work with Miss Lily, which is Kenneth Hagin's mama, because she was about to die, and he kept working with her and working with her. And finally, after 40 to 45 minutes of getting her stabilized enough, he looked and and told Miss Drake, who's Kenneth Herwin Hagin's grandmama, said, I need to go to the office and get some more supplies to treat Lily with, and then I'm coming back. And then he picked up Kenneth Hagin again, the little bitty baby, unformed, not properly formed, and he weighed a little less than two pounds. Can you imagine weighing less than two pounds? Now, you can buy chickens down at the store prepared to cook that weigh over two pounds. You know what I mean? So you can imagine how tiny this baby was. And he examined him carefully again. Doctors know when people are alive or dead, you understand. And he said, Miss Drake, I said the baby's dead not properly formed or anything. He said, while I'm going to the office to get some supplies, won't you go out in the garden and, and you bury him out there and, and then I'll come back, you know, and treat him and everything. And so so the doctor left and, and Miss Drake picked him up, uh, Kenneth Irwin Hagen, and went walking out to the Uh, backyard towards the garden because that's the way they done it in those days. They didn't have all the cemeteries like we got today and perpetual care places and things. So she's walking out the back door with Kenneth Irwin Hagen and stopped by the smokehouse, which we would call, you know, a utility shed to get a shovel out to to dig a hole to bury him in. said, Brother Randy, that sure is gross. I'm just telling you the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth, so help me God, so you can understand something here. So she got the shovel out of the smokehouse and was walking over, and I'm sure her heart was heavy, you know. Got her little grandbaby here, and, you know, not properly formed and didn't pronounce dead. And by this time, say so you done gone through about an hour after he's born and he's lifeless. There's no signs of life. He's not breathing. His heart's not beating. And the doctor has pronounced him dead. She's got the shovel out of the smokehouse walking over the edge of the garden. And as she's walking along to find a spot that would be good to bury him in, all of a sudden Kenneth Irwin Hagen kicked and when she kicked, when he kicked, she'd detect a spark of life about him. And so she couldn't bury him. as a grandmama. She put the shovel back in the smokehouse. She went back in the house. She washed him and cleaned him up. He hadn't even been washed yet. Washed him and cleaned him up she found something like a little dress and a diaper, and the diaper just wrapped around him several times, you can imagine, and put that little dress and little diaper on him and then weighed him. And he said with the diaper and a little dress and everything, he weighed just a shade over two pounds, this little baby. And uh, so it went long before Dr. Irwin got back, and, and he seen her with this baby, and he said, I told you to bury him. I told you he was dead." She said, Donk, and she told him the story of how I was going outside to bury him. He kicked and I detected the spark of life about him, and I just couldn't bury him. And she said, uh, he said, well, I told you to bury him. She said, well, what can I feed him? She said he reached into his pocket, into his coat pocket. He had a suit coat on. He reached into his pocket and pulled out a, a pack of formula that you mix with water, you know, And said he threw it at her, Miss Irwin Hagen, because he's perturbed with her, kind of threw it at her and said, here, feed him that. Just a small package said that formula will last longer than he will. In other words, he didn't expect him to, to live whatsoever. And so she started feeding him with a little eyedropper. And that's how he went on. Now let me stop right there telling that story and take you to another story. You ready for this? You sure? You ready for it? Hang on now. Here we go. So there, in, in 1917, that was the birth of Kenneth E. Hagen. He was going to be buried in the backyard with a shovel, but remember he kicked, and his granny, Miss Lily, I mean Miss Drake, detected a spark of life about him, so she wouldn't bury him. And she fed him with a little eyedropper. Couldn't give him a bottle. He couldn't suck a bottle or nothing. He never did have a bottle in his entire life growing up. She would give him a little drop out of an eyedropper, one drop of milk. If she gave him two drops, he would almost strangle to death. And that's what... Uh, his granny finally found out how to feed him. But he knew nothing about this experience. He knew nothing about how that, uh, that the, the Lord had appeared to his mama. Because his, Miss Drake, his grandmama, and Miss Lily Hagen, his mother, never told him or anybody else a word about it. So when Kenneth E. Hagin was 33 years old, he was about to find out his destiny and what he was called to that would affect you and affect this church. And the reason this church and your pastors are here today is because of this experience that Kenneth E. Hagin had and what he was called to do. And that anointing that was on him is on your pastors, and it'll be on you to a measure and a degree that you receive it. I said it'd be on you to the degree that you'll receive it September the 2nd 1950 in Rockwall, Texas Kenneth E. Hage was praying on a platform, he had never had a vision he wouldn't pray to have a vision he wouldn't, trying to have some kind of experience he didn't even know you could have this kind of experience because people didn't have those experiences in those days September second, 1950, Kenneth Irwin Hagen was 33 years old. His mama nor grandmama had never told him about what Jesus had said to his mother before he was born. But he was praying in a tent in Rockwall, Texas, about 9.30 p.m. at night. Uh, and all of a sudden, he heard a voice that said, Come up hither. Come up hither. And he looked around thinking it was some boys out there on the hill playing with them, you know, because there were several people in the tent of praying because it was under a tent where this happened, and it was raining. And he thought there was praying. He looked up and didn't see anybody, you know. And he went back to pray and he said, come up hither. Come up hither. Come up hither to the throne of God. And so he looked up to see where this voice was coming from. And all of a sudden the tent top disappeared. And he's seeing into the realm of the spirit. And the gift of discerning of spirits operated in his life. And he saw Jesus standing there. Then all of a sudden, he said, him and Jesus, he went up and he met Jesus in the air. And him and Jesus traveled through the air for quite some time, or traveled through space, or whatever you want to call it. And finally, they got to heaven. And when they got to heaven, he said, him and Jesus come walking up and he could see the throne. He could see the rainbow about the throne. He could see the winged creatures that the Bible talks about in Revelation that have eyes before and beside and everything all around. And And they got wings and they cry, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, day and night and never rest. He said when him and Jesus walked up to within 18 feet of the throne, all of a sudden these uh, winged creatures, whatever they were, quit moving their wings and put them down by their side and quit talking and stood there respectfully as Jesus and Kenneth Hagin was standing there. And he said he was looking there and he could see the glory of God and the throne of God and the rainbow about the throne, just like it describes in Revelations. And then when he looked into the glory, Jesus said, you can't look upon him. Talking about the father that was sitting upon the throne. He said he couldn't see him well anyway, but he could see that there was someone there. And then Jesus began to talk to him about his ministry, and about what he was called to do. And this is what I want to get to. Remember, his mother never told him about this. His granny never told him about this. But here at 33 years old, September 2, 1950, on a Saturday night, Jesus Christ called him up to heaven. And This is what he told him. He said, just as I appeared to your mother before you were born, and told her to name you John, For just as John the Baptist was a forerunner of my first coming to this earth, then your ministry would be a forerunner to my second coming to this earth. He said, Now, because of your mama's unbelief, she said she failed to name you John. He said, but the name is not important, but the anointing and the mission uh, and what I had called you to do was important, important. And your anointing, that anointing is still upon you. And uh, you will, your ministry will usher in my second coming to this earth. Or you are a forerunner, the forerunner to my second coming to this earth. Well, after this experience happened, uh, was because Kenneth Hagin's mother had never... <coughs> told him before, his mother came to visit him there in Texas right after this, the next week after this happened, this experience happened with Jesus. And so Kenneth Hagin was telling his mama, Miss Lillian, he said, I had a vision and I was caught up to heaven and Jesus spoke to me, mama. And Jesus told me that he appeared to you in 1917 right before I was born and he told you something. And he said his mama sat up on her chair like you had poked her with a pin, and got all excited and said, well, what would you tell me the name you, Kenneth? What do you tell me the name you, Kenneth? Because his mama knew that if he knew that name, that he had really seen Jesus because nobody had those experiences in those days. And he said, mama, Jesus told me that he talked to you and that you should name me John. And then when he said that, his mama knew that Jesus had appeared to her because she had never shared that with another soul. Neither had Miss Drake, his granny, ever shared it with another soul before, except that day that it happened in August of 1917. And so his mama told him the whole story and how it happened and what took place and how God had spoken to her about that. And, of course, uh, Kenneth Hagin told his mama, he said, well, the name in me, the name, Jesus said, was not important But the ministry that I was called to, the anointing was important. And that's what you've got to understand and know. And so, Kenneth E. Hagin was a forerunner to the second coming of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And that anointing that was on his life is still in operation in this earth. Now, what was the anointing of Kenneth E. Hagin supposed to do? If he was a forerunner to the second coming of Jesus, just as John the Baptist was a forerunner to the first coming, then what in the world is the anointing on Kenneth Hagin's life supposed to do? We can discover what he was supposed to do by reading what the Word of God says. But now let me share with you some other things. Again, not to talk disparagingly of anyone or put anyone down, or make fun or make light of anybody. But there was a man years ago that you may have known of, may have not known him or ever met him. If you did, you've been around a while. But his name was John Alexander Dowie. Has anybody ever heard of a man named John Alexander Dowie? Has anybody ever read any of his writings or looked at any of his writings? Well, something about John Alexander Dowie, and again, I'm not saying this to belittle him, because he was a man that was anointed of God, and I believe that he's in heaven right now. So don't go up there and tell him if you get there for I do that Brother Randy's been down there talking about you because I don't want him to stop me on Glory Avenue and Hallelujah Street and get on to me. Let let him know that I was talking good about him because he introduced healing and miracles and signs and wonders to a group of people in his era and his day because they didn't have it and God used him mightily. But John Alexander Dowie began to understand that at back there, and this is what, the late 1800s, right in there somewhere? 18, maybe over to the ni- early 1900s in there? Late teen, 1890s, right in there? Did he make it into the 1900s, you think? Yeah, okay, so 18, late 1800s, early 1900s, you would say, very early 1900s. His ministry was on this earth, and God was using him, and that's what I was trying to you know, point out. But God was using him, but back then at the turn of the century, they would call it, he began to pick up in his spirit, because he was a man, a spiritual man, he began to pick up in his spirit that there would be a forerunner to the second coming of Jesus, just like there would be a forerunner, that there was a forerunner named John the Baptist to the first coming of Jesus. And so what happened, though, is is he got out there, and he got out there too far, and I don't believe, and this is my humble opinion, you judge it, I don't believe he missed it when he began to pick up that there would be a forerunner to the second coming of Jesus just like there was a forerunner to the first coming of Jesus but where he missed it is is when he began to believe that he was the forerunner to the second coming of Jesus. He even went as far as to put on the priestly robes that they would wear. You remember seeing pictures of that and he'd wear the ephod like the priest did in the Old Testament and people almost that followed him closely almost worshipped him as God. Well see, that was drawing attention unto John Alexander Dowie. Mr. Dowie, Mr. Dowie, I'm not talking bad about you. I'm just telling you how the devil does things. The devil will try to push you off, you know what I mean? But for the grace of God, you could go that way too. But God's grace and mercy and blood go to watch over you. But the enemy pushed him overboard with that thought to the point if not only did he pick up the revelation of it and where he should have picked it up, and started praying about that. What happened is the enemy began to tell him, that's you, that's you. Yeah, you got it right. Yeah, you didn't miss it. And I don't believe he missed it either. I believe he had it right knowing that there would be a second coming of, of uh, I mean, a uh, one that would be a forerunner to the second coming just like John the Baptist was a forerunner to the first coming. But where he got it wrong is, is when he began to think that he was the one and the enemy pushed him over to the point that he began to tell people that and then people began to worship him and look up to him more than they did the word of God and of course John the Baptist, I mean John Alexander Dowie moved on to the other side and we're not knocking him, belittling him or anything. Now that was John Alexander Dowie in the There in the uh, 1890s uh, up to the early 1900s. Then we move and fast forward into the 1940s, 1950s, and 1960s. uh, And there was another individual that you may have heard the name of. uh, I think it was William F. Brannon? Brannon. Brannon. William F. Brannon. Now, I'm, again, not belittling Mr. Brannon. So if you get there before I do... Don't go up there and tell him, now I heard Randy talking about you down there and he's talking bad about you. He needs to send somebody to get him and snatch him out from there. No, I am not talking bad about him. Mr. Brannon was mildly used of God in his day. Miracles and signs and wonders happened through his life. But guess what happened? Mr. Brannon began to sense in the spirit he was the one that stood at the forefront of the prophet's ministry in the body of Christ in his day. In other words, God had used him and he had more anointing, more gifts, more signs and wonders that happened through him prophetically than any other person on this planet. So that's what I mean that when he stood at the forefront of the prophet's ministry. But also, he began to sense in his spirit that they would be a forerunner to the second coming of Jesus just like there was a forerunner to the first coming of Jesus who was John the Baptist. And so he began to think that way and he began to think that even about himself that he was actually the forerunner to the second coming of Jesus. And it got so bad that even those that was real close to him you know, begin to look up to him like they did to John Alexander Dowie and begin to almost worship him and take his word over the written word of God. And so, and I, again, not to belittle, but just to point out something. I don't believe that Mr. Brannon missed it when he began to pick up in his spirit that there would be a forerunner to the second coming of Jesus, just like there was a forerunner to the first coming of Jesus. But where Mr. Brannon missed it, that's when he began to think, that I'm the one. So you can't take a position or calling unto yourself. God has to grant it to you. Isn't that right? Jesus was given a name above every name, but it was given to him, who? By the Father God. Now, before you get too far out there and get concerned, well, can God tell somebody what to name their child? Is there scriptural precedence for that? Absolutely. Absolutely. When the angel appeared to Mary, he said, you shall call his name. What? Speak it out loud. Is it in the Bible? Do we have a scriptural precedence for it? Yes. Mary was even told what to call and name him Jesus. Who gave him that name? God the Father. And so Mary was obedient and she called his name Jesus. But uh, uh, Miss Lily Hagen didn't call his name John, but again, Jesus said that wouldn't import it. But, now, Mr. Brannan, to verify and confirm this further about Mr. Brannan, Mr. Brannan, remember, Mr. Dowie thought he was a forerunner to the second coming. Mr. Brannan thought he was a forerunner to the second coming. And so one day, the Lord spoke to Kenneth E. Hagen, Kenneth Irwin Hagen, who was a prophet of God, and said to him, The one that stands at the forefront of the prophet's ministry will be removed from the scene ere a year shall come. I believe it's around that time. Ere a year shall come. It was within a year from this date that he spoke to him. Ere a year shall come, he'll be removed from the scene. Because he was, you know, going the wrong way and some people were being led astray. And I'm not, again, not knocking him at all. And then this is what he said also to Kenneth Hagin about Mr. Brannan. He said he's also walking in the way of Dowie talking about John Alexander Dowie of the 1890s and the early 1900s, uh, the late 1800s, early 1900s, walking in the way of Dowie, meaning what? Meaning that Dowie thought he was a forerunner to the second coming of Jesus. You remember that? Well, Mr. Brannon began to think, just like Dowie did, that he was a forerunner to the second coming of Jesus. Within a year, almost a year to the day, of when the Lord spoke to uh, Kenneth Hagin about Mr. Brannon leaving the scene and going on to heaven and I don't believe he's in hell I believe he's in heaven that's just my humble opinion you judge it only God knows but I believe he is you know and I think it, you know just because somebody makes a little mistake here there are make, mis- side stake, God still loves them and, and they was doing the best they could under the circumstances but he was in a meeting and uh, all of a sudden the one that was in charge of the meeting said we just got word that Mr. Brandon was in a car wreck isn't that right? In a car wreck, and it said, "All the preachers, come to the platform, or let's stand uh, and, and pray for him, because you know we don't need to lose Mr. Brandon, because I mean his ministry, I mean brought thousands, and may, I don't know how I many, maybe millions of people into the kingdom of God the way that God used him." So Kenneth Hagin left his seat in the back of the auditorium. He started walking up the aisle to go up there. While he was walking up the aisle to go to the platform where the rest of the ministers were at in this minister's meeting to pray for Mr. Branham who had just had a car wreck, the Lord said, stop, don't go up there. He said, why, Lord? He said, because he's going to die. He said, I told you a year ago that he's going to die. He said, so you go back to your seat and don't pray for him. So he turned around his face lost its color, turned white as a ghost, so to speak, is what the saying was. He started walking back to the back of his seat. When he got back there to where his wife was at, Miss Aretha Hagen, she looked at him and said, well, what did the Lord say to you, Kenneth? She said, what makes you think the Lord said anything to me? He said, because you turned white as a ghost and turned around and come back. And he turned to Miss Aretha Hagen, his wife said, the Lord told me he's going to die. I said, don't pray for him. And so he moved on. Now, I believe that Mr. Dowie and Mr. Brandon had this fact right. The fact being that they would be a forerunner to the second coming of Jesus, just like there was a forerunner named John the Baptist to the first coming of Jesus, but where they got it wrong is when they put the tag on themselves and said they was the forerunner. Now, we know this for an absolute fact uh, that we have a witness uh, from Miss Lily Hagen, who was Kenneth Hagen's mom, that Jesus said that he would be the forerunner, a forerunner to the second coming of Jesus, just like John the Baptist was a forerunner, we have her word for it, and then we have the words of Jesus Christ Himself when He appeared to Kenneth Hagin September the second, nineteen fifty, when Kenneth Hagin was thirty-three years old, called up to the throne of God, and told Him that what He appeared to His mom, that she was to name His John, name Him John, and His ministry would be a forerunner to the second coming of Jesus, to Jesus' second coming. Just as uh, the ministry of John the Baptist was a forerunner to the first coming of Jesus. So, if we believe the word of Miss Lily Hagin, if we believe the word of Kenneth Hagin, who gave us the word of Jesus Christ, twice, Miss Lily Hagin gave us the word of Jesus and so did Kenneth Hagin, then we must believe then undoubtedly that the ministry of Kenneth e. Hagan was a forerunner to the second coming of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Now, why is it important for us to understand this, not to worship a man? Now, Kenneth Hagin never mentioned this one time publicly, publicly. Now, a couple of times in some private settings, he mentioned some things about this, but never publicly. Until July of of 2001, that's the first time that he ever mentioned anything publicly publicly about Ben, his name should be John, and the Lord said that his ministry would be the forerunner of the second coming of Jesus Christ. Where was it at? In July of 2001 at the Tulsa Convention Center, downtown Tulsa, Oklahoma, Kenneth e. Hagin, the Spirit of God come on him. And this is what he said. He said, I've never mentioned some of these things publicly. I've never said what I'm about to say to you publicly. He said, because the Lord, I I didn't feel like it was time. He said, but the Lord told me now it's time to start sharing it. It's time to start telling it. And so he told the story about Jesus appearing to his mama. He told that his name was supposed to be John and that his ministry would be the forerunner to the second coming of Jesus. Then he told the story about where Jesus appeared to him on September second, 1950 and told him how his name should have been John but still, even though his name wasn't John, that his ministry would still accomplish the mission and task that he said that he would accomplish and he would be the forerunner to the second coming of Jesus. And they he said this. Kenneth e. Hagin said this in July of 2001. He said, Now, the reason that I've never shared this, he said, it's our ministry and my ministry is not built on personalities. It's not built on sensationalism. See, if he had started talking about this years ago, people would start trying to lift him up and make a king out of him and make a god out of him. You know, people are always looking for somebody to worship besides God and the Word of God and the Lord Jesus Christ. So he said, my ministry is not built on that. It's built on the Word of God. He always was a stickler for the Word. Remember that? He taught us to build our ministry upon the Word, not upon the gifts, not upon sensationalism, not upon personalities or anything like that, but built upon the Word of God. Just stay with it. I'm here to tell you, if you'll just stay with the Word of God, just be consistent. I don't care. It's like I was telling a minister, this this well-known right now, he's out there traveling, you know, and he's he's a friend of mine. I'm not knocking him around. I'm just telling you, he wouldn't do anything wrong. So I told this minister friend of mine, who's very popular and well-known, basically around the world, but I told him, I said, I've been out here, and I didn't say it in pride or nothing like that. I said, but I've seen a lot of them come, and I've seen a lot of them go. I said, you've got to build your ministry on the Word of God. That's what Brother Hagin taught me. You can't build it on personalities. You can't build it on anything else, sensationalism and, and things like that. You've got to stay with the Word. Because somebody that stays with the Word is not always sensational. You know what I mean? It's not always flamboyant. It's not always exciting. But it is always consistent and stable. They'll be there. Brother Hagin told him. Years ago in the Voice of Healing days, there was many spectacular things happening through people's ministry. And they begin to build their ministries on the spectacular. They begin to advertise their ministry based on the spectacular. And they would go into meeting after meeting. And if God didn't show up and operate through them in that way that the crowd expected, then some of these guys and ladies too would start putting on or trying to make these things happen and start performing and get away from what the Spirit of God was saying. And so Dad Hagin told him, He said, I'll be here when the rest of you boys are gone. That's what he told him. He said, I'll still be here. They said, what makes you say that? He said, because you're building your ministry on the gifts of the Spirit. You're building your ministry on the sensational. You're building your ministry on your personality. He said, when all of that's not there, he said, you ain't got nothing to stand on. He said, build your ministry on the Word. He said, if the gifts of the Spirit operate through you, fine. But if they're not there in operation, don't try to put them on. Don't try to make up something. And you know what? Guess what? All of them back there, except there a the couple of them, it happened just like Brother Hagin said. He was still there when the rest of them was gone. Amen. So what do you want to do? You want to build your ministry and your life on the Word of God. Just be stable, be consistent, and you're going to come out on top Every single time. And you say, well, Brother Randy, you hadn't even read a scripture yet. Well, I knew you wanted to read a scripture. And so, turn your Bibles to Luke, St. Luke. So Luke was a saint. St. Randy? No, excuse me. St. Luke here. Brother Luke, chapter 1. And we're going to see and look at now the importance of understanding Kenneth Irwin Hagen, And again, I don't say that to lift him up or worship him because certainly we don't. Nobody should. We shouldn't lift him up above the Word of God, Lord Jesus Christ or the Holy Ghost. But at the same time, if we don't understand who he was and place importance on what he told us and understand what his mission was in this earth, we will never understand how close we are to the coming of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. If his ministry was the forerunner to the second coming of Jesus, just like John the Baptist's ministry was a forerunner to the first coming of Jesus, then that means that Jesus must undoubtedly be coming soon. So if he moved to heaven and his ministry was a forerunner to the second coming of Jesus, then that means that Jesus is coming soon. Now what was the ministry of Kenneth Hagin to accomplish in this earth? Because we, and again, we're not lifting up a man, but we're lifting up the Word of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. But remember, John the Baptist was born for what? For a specific purpose in this earth. Kenneth Hagin was born for a specific purpose in this earth. When we find out the purpose of John the Baptist, then we will see undoubtedly that the same purpose of Kenneth E. Hagin, the ministry of Kenneth e. Hagin, had the same purpose, the same call, that John the Baptist had. So we can find from the Bible what that is. Are you ready to find it out? I'm sure you were. <clears throat> and uh, St. Luke chapter 1, <clears throat> verse 5. We'll just read about this. Quite a few verses here. But I say quite a few, 8 or 10. Verse 5. It <clears throat> said, so, There was in the days of Herod, the king of Judea, a certain priest named Zacharias of the course of Abia, And his wife was of the daughters of Aaron. Aaron, you know who he was. And her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord blameless. Boy, could we preach for three hours on that. Righteous before God, walking in the commandments and ordinances, and of the Lord blameless. And they had no child, verse 7, because that Elizabeth was barren. And they both were now well stricken in years. And it came to pass that while he executed the priest's office before God in the order of his course, according to the custom of the priest's office, his lot, his job, you could say, was to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. He was to go in and to burn te- incense in the temple. Verse 10. And the whole multitude of the people were praying without at the time of incense. They couldn't go in the temple because they weren't the priest, but he could. Verse 11, and there appeared unto him something supernatural happened to Zacharias. In verse 11, there appeared unto him an angel of the Lord. Something happened to uh, Lily Hagen, didn't it? Supernatural. So we have a supernatural event that happened to Lily Hagin. Jesus appeared to her. Verse 11 said, There appeared unto him, Zacharias, an angel of the Lord, standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zacharias saw him, he was troubled, and fear fell upon him. That's just another way for, say, he got scared. I mean, he was scared because he saw this angel. But the angel said unto him, Fear not, Zacharias, In fact, that's the first words that Jesus spoke to Lily Hagin. He said, fear not, the child shall be born. But he said here, fear not, Zacharias, verse 13, for thy prayer is heard, and thy wife Elizabeth shall bear thee a son, and thou shalt call his name, what? Now, was this word from God? Did an angel tell her what to name this child? Or tell him what to name his child? What was the child's name supposed to be? How do you know? The Bible says so. Pastor Dickey has learned. (laughs) She knows the Bible says so. So we see here we have a supernatural occurrence where Zacharias, the daddy, was told what to name this child when it was born. So undoubtedly if they're going to call him John, he's going to be a boy because that was a boy's name in that day. Now, when Mary, the angel, appeared to Mary, God the Father sent word also by the angel and said, you shall call his name who? Jesus. When Jesus appeared to Miss Lily Hagen, he said, you shall call his name John. So you see, we got a scriptural precedence in two places in the Word of God already where angels appeared from God the Father and told him what to name their child. Isn't that right, right? Verse 14, it says, And thou shalt have joy and gladness, and many shall rejoice at his birth, speaking of John the Baptist. For he shall be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. And Brother Hagin didn't drink any drink either, and he didn't believe in drinking and getting drunk, like some folks still do today. And he shall be filled with the Holy Ghost even from his mother's womb. And many of the children of Israel shall he turn to the Lord their God. And he shall go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah, you could say, to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just. Now this, is what the ministry of John the Baptist was right here in this next phrase. And this is what the ministry of Kenneth Irwin Hagen was also. Verse 17, He shall go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. John the Baptist was prepare a people for the coming of the Lord. Isn't that right? He prepared a people for the coming of the Lord. So, what was the ministry of Kennethy e. Hagin to do? It was to make ready and prepare a people for the coming of the Lord. What was the ministry of Kennethy e. Hagin to do? To make ready a people prepared for the coming of the Lord. What was it supposed to do? To make ready a people prepared for the coming of the Lord. That's what John the Baptist did, and that was the ministry of Kennethy e. Hagin. In fact, we that's sitting right here, I know on the front, and I'm sure that you've been influenced and affected by this also, the Lord called us to go and sit at the feet of Kenneth Irwin Hagen. I had never heard of Kenneth Irwin Hagen in my life. In fact, I didn't even know his name was Irwin. I mean, years ago, he mentioned it a couple times, but in latter years, I'd been forgotten what the E stood for So I went back and started researching some of this when God began to speak to me and talk to me about him being a forerunner to the second coming of Jesus Christ. But uh, uh, Kenneth Irwin Hagen' ministry was to make ready a people prepared for the coming of the Lord. And so that's exactly what we must understand. So let's turn over to John, we'll call him St. John, and read another scripture along these lines. So why is this important? Because we must understand that we are in the end of days and know where we're at in the timing of God. St. John chapter 1. All right, St. John chapter 1, verse 19. And this is the record of John. When the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, who art thou? Who are you, John? This is the one before Jesus came. He confessed and denied not. He said, but confessed, I am not the Christ. You know, that was a good thing to do. There's many today that call themselves the Christ. And I mean, even here in the United States, you've got so many nuts out there <clears> that think they're Jesus Christ. Aren't you glad that Brother Hagin didn't stand up and say, I am the Christ? Yeah. Oh, buddy, we would have cut him loose right away. would not that right? Sure. But notice he confessed, I am not the Christ. I'm not the one you're going to look for. I'm not the one. I'm just telling you about him. And verse 21, and they asked him, John the Baptist, what then are thou? Are you Elijah? And he said, I'm not said, are are you that prophet? And he answered, no. Then said they unto him, who art thou, that we may give an answer to them that sent us? In other words, they sent us from Jerusalem. We come out here to find out what in the world you're doing in the wilderness, doing all this stuff, baptizing people in water in the River Jordan. What are you doing? What sayest thou to yourself? Tell us something. Verse 23, he said, John the Baptist said, and this is the same ministry that Kenneth Irwin Hagen had. He said, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness, make straight the way of the Lord as a prophet Isaiah. Notice he said, make straight the way of the Lord. The Amplified says it. He said, I am the voice of one crying aloud in the wilderness, the voice of one shouting in the desert. Prepare the way of the Lord. Level, straighten out the path of the Lord as a prophet Isaiah. Said. Hallelujah. So the prophet Isaiah said, Make straight the way of the Lord. The Lord is coming. The Lord is coming. He said, Prepare the way of the Lord. That's what the ministry of make straight means. Prepare the way of the Lord. In other words, get ready, get ready, get ready. Jesus is coming. Well, that's exactly what Kenneth Irwin Hagen said get ready, Jesus is coming. Now, the second advent of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, according to what the Lord has shown me, again, I'm human, I could miss it. I believe that I'm speaking of the Holy Ghost, so you judge it. I believe I can prove it out through the Word of God here in Scripture format, and just look at Scripture after Scripture if we wanted to take time to do that, but you're studious enough to know, to know that these things, whether it be true or whether it not be true. But the second advent, we call it the second coming of Jesus, but I like to call it the second advent of Christ because I believe his second coming will be in three different phases. This is my opinion. I believe, I say my opinion, I believe the Holy Ghost showed me this. And so I'm repeating what I believe the Lord showed me for your investigation and examination in light of the word of God. Because if I give you my opinion without giving you scripture and chapter and verse, then it's not worth anything. It's a bunch of bunk, junk, and hogwash. But I believe the second advent of Jesus Christ will take place in three particular stages. First of all, there must be, number one, in the second advent, number one, there must be an outpouring of the Spirit of God on this planet. There must be, there must be an outpouring of the Spirit of God on this planet because in the last days, he's coming back for a glorious church. Now, the reason of the outpouring, and I believe that we're in the shallow waters of this outpouring right now, even though it don't look like it, even though it don't seem like it, all the things that are happening right now in our banking system, in the economic system, that has been shaken. It's been all shook loose. You know, Brother Hagin used to say this. He said, you'll have more trouble in the financial realm and more attacks and tests in the financial realm than you will any 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 other area, because Satan has more control of that area. Satan has been controlling the finances that belongs to the church for too long now because of unscrupulous practices of men and women inspired by the devil. But that's why this whole thing is being shook loose in the financial realm. But all this shaking has been going on is to shake the devil loose from the things that belong to me and you. God doesn't do evil. God did not get us in a financial dilemma. I'm here to tell you. The devil and his crowd did and God's going to take care of his children right in the midst of it. Isn't that right? He's more than enough. Isn't that right? He's El Shaddai, the all-sufficient one. But we've come down to a time right now that uh, Jesus Christ is coming soon. But the second advent of his coming is going to take place in three stages. One, Remember, there must be an outpouring of the Spirit of God. Why must there be an outpouring? Why must there be an outpouring? Because the Bible says that we're going to be raptured. It says in Thessalonians, For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up in the air. Those that are alive at that time that Jesus comes, this born again, this Christians, are going to be caught up in the air and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Now, in order for that rapture or the catching away of the saints to take place, then there must be a miraculous metamorphosis of our physical body. This physical body, the Bible says that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. The Bible says that we're going to be changed. How? In the twinkling of an eye. I believe that's found in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. You can look it up later for the sake of time. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, the Bible says we shall all be changed. How? In the twinkling of an eye. But how are we going to be changed? Only by the spirit of the living God. So what we're doing, we're in the shallow shallow waters of this outpouring of God's Spirit and God's anointing on this earth that will bring us to the place that even our physical bodies are going to be changed into a spiritual heavenly vehicle so that we can travel with the Lord Jesus Christ and have a body just like He's got. You cannot go where Jesus is at until you take on the body that Jesus has. I said, you cannot go where Jesus is at until you take on the body that Jesus had. What Jesus has right now. When he rose from the dead, he had a brand new body. The Bible says he was the firstborn from among the dead. In other words, his body has changed. He could walk through walls. He was standing on the Mount of Olives talking to his disciples and all of a sudden, gravity could not hold him and he began to ascend up into the heavens until a cloud received him out of their sight. The same thing has got to happen to you and I. The Bible says we shall all be changed. How? In the twinkling of an eye. Where are you going to be changed at? Right here. I said, where are you going to be changed at? Right here because you can't go there until you changed here. You can't go there until you changed here. You got to take on put on the same suit of clothes, so to speak, the same body that Jesus has. If you're going to go where Jesus is at, you got to be like Jesus. You got to have the body that Jesus has now. So that change, the reason there is an outpouring is to bring us up to the point that the glory of God will be to such an extent it's going to take God's power. So how's that going to happen? I don't know, but I know it's going to happen because the Bible says so. All of a sudden, we're here. Now, I just kind of believe this. You know, you have to listen to your pastors and others about this, but it seems like to me the rapture is not going to be a day just like today. The catching away of the saints. I just don't believe that we're going to be going about our just normal everyday affairs, acting goofy and nutty. I'm smiling. I'm smiling. I know you can't see me on the CD, but I'm smiling. And then all of a sudden, boom! I believe that you're going to know. I believe that the spirit of God is going to be on you. And I believe the Lord showed me this. And again, you judge it. Some people are going to be caught up in this spiritual move of God. Some for weeks. Now, your position in life is what determines what happens. But when we come down to the end of time, things are going to change. I mean, we come down to when the rapture is going to happen. Things are not going to be like they are right now in the church. I'm talking about in the church. Now the world's going to keep going in darkness. And they're not going to even know what's happening because the Bible says it's going to come upon them as a thief in the night. But it's not going to come upon the children of God as a thief in the night. You're going to know. And I believe the glory of God. In fact, I saw in a vision and I saw people caught up in the spirit sometimes for weeks before the rapture for they were raptured. They were changed in their physical body and then boom, they were out of here. Now it says we'll be changed in the twinkling of an eye. Now, I'm not saying that they'll be changed and then be on the earth. Uh, There's some ideas about that. I'm not getting into that because I can't prove it yes or no, so I'm not saying anything about that. But the Bible does say that we shall be changed in the twinkling of an eye. After we're changed, uh, then that's when you can be raptured. Because if you don't have the suit that Jesus has, the body that Jesus has, you can't go to where Jesus is at. So the second advent of Jesus Christ will be in three stages. First, a glorious, miraculous outpouring of God's glory. Why? To bring us to a point that our physical bodies are changed. Your body has not been redeemed yet. Has anybody discovered that yet? Your body. If we had this earth suit off that has been tainted with the old Adamic, Adam and Eve nature in the flesh, I'm not talking about in our spirits. If we had this uniform off and had on the body that Jesus has, we wouldn't have the problems with the temptations and the tests and trials. And the last thing that shall be taking place in our life is our physical body is going to be changed and it shall be redeemed. So the outpouring is to bring us up to the redemption of our body, which positions us for number two, the rapture of the church. You can't be raptured, you can't be caught away until your body's changed. So the first a stage of the second advent as an outpouring to bring us to, what? The redemption of our body so that, number two, the rapture can take place. And then number three, and the second advent. The Lord Himself is coming back to this earth, to the same place that He left from in Acts chapter 1. While He was speaking to His disciples, the angel, He appeared and left and went into heaven. And Jesus disappeared from the sight of them all. And the angel stood by them and said, Why stand ye gazing into heaven? In Acts chapter 1. He said, This same Jesus, the same Jesus that you have seen go away is going to come how? In like manner. In other words, just like he left here is the same way he's coming back to here. Just like he left here is the same way he's coming back. Where is he going to come to? He's gonna come down to the Mount of Olives so on the east side, of the old Temple Mount. Right now, I can see that place because I've been on that Mount of Olives, and I can see that Eastern Gate of the Temple. And he's gonna walk into that Temple, and he'd go, "Woo!" He's gonna take. Don't make me come back there. <laughs> Woo! And he's gonna rule and reign on this earth, and we're gonna come with him, and we're gonna rule and reign on this earth for one thousand years. And thank God. So that is the Second Advent of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Some call it the second coming. I call it the second advent just for this reason because there's going to be in three stages. The outpouring, the metamorphosis or change of our physical body which brings us to the rapture, number two, and then number three when Jesus comes back to this earth and rules and reigns on this earth for 1,000 years. Woo-wee! Said, so what does Kenneth Hagin understand of the ministry of Kenneth e. Hagin imported about? Well, if he was the forerunner to the second coming of Jesus. If he was, I believe he was, but if he was, then that means it's coming a heap sooner than what folk thought. I mean, we're at the door. I mean, any day, any second, any hour, Jesus Christ is getting ready to come and take us out. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for the Holy Ghost.